You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guests, Robert Lamora and Beth Rooney of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. As COVID-19 impacted companies globally, the essential port businesses had to quickly adjust to radical changes in day-to-day operations. From ensuring safe workplaces for employees to ensuring safe accommodations for customers, ports needed to think and act fast to keep services uninterrupted. Beth Rooney and Robert Lamour of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey join us to highlight some of the ways that they navigated a challenging situation and kept the trains on the tracks. Joining me today on the Inbound Logistics Podcast is Robert Lamoura, General Manager, Business Development and Industry Relations, and Beth Rooney, Deputy Director of the Port Department, both from the Port Authority of New York, New Jersey. Folks, thank you so much for joining the Inbound Logistics Podcast today. Thanks for having us. It's good to have you guys. Uh, I want to uh, welcome you to the show. And uh, before we get started, I uh, just wanted to find out how you guys are doing in this new pandemic normal. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, we, like everyone else, have had to uh, find out the hard way what that new normal was. Uh, but I'm I'm very pleased uh, to report that, you know, our team at the port in the, in the Port Authority at the Port Department uh, is is all doing very well um, in our new normal, and and thankfully uh, we have not had any serious uh, illnesses among our team. So we we continue to operate uh, largely as normal. How about with you, Bob? Pretty much the same as as Beth has just mentioned. You know, the the Port Authority early on took very strong and significant initiatives to protect number one employees and other port staff members uh, to make sure that we were we were in position to mm-hmm. take care of the needs of the port and the fluidity of the cargo. So uh, all's good. Great. Uh, on that note, could you uh, each introduce yourselves to the audience a little bit and tell us what you're doing with the Port Authority currently? Um, my name is Bob Lemura. I'm a 40-year veteran of, of the maritime industry. Today I serve as the general manager of maritime industry relations for the Port Authority, and my primary responsibility is ocean carrier relationships, uh, commercial cargo uh, relationships, and just a general overall assistance to both Beth uh, Rooney and uh, Sam Ruta, uh, our, our Port Director. And I'm Beth Rooney. I'm the Deputy Director for the Port Department at the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Hard to believe sometimes, but I have uh, more than 30 years experience in the industry, all here in the Port of New York and New Jersey, and 28 of them have been uh, with the Port Authority in a variety of roles, including uh, operations, technology, intermodal transportation. I spent the largest part of my career uh, doing security and emergency uh, management in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, and then transferred back out of security into port performance uh, before assuming uh, this role as as deputy director for the port. Okay. Now, uh, let's get into it then, because there's been a lot of press uh, throughout the whole COVID-19 crisis about overall disruptions to international trade and the global economy. Uh, What are some of the primary impacts to the port at the beginning of the crisis and where are they currently? Yeah, you know, great question. Um, As I said originally, you know, at the beginning, you know, we are as a port, you know, we are first and foremost uh, open for business, 
have remained open for business throughout this entire pandemic. Uh, thankfully, the federal government, followed by the state governments, uh, each had declared the ports and the associated transportation network uh, to be part of the essential workforce. Uh, so we never uh, missed a beat in terms of being able to uh, remain open and operating. Uh, that being said, our port activity is largely dependent upon uh, what goes on all over the world, as we are a, a major gateway for uh, all corners of the world and, and transportation of cargoes from all over. Uh, so we we have experienced uh, some modest decline in cargo volumes. Uh, the Port of New York and New Jersey is not just containers. Uh, containers gets a lot of the airtime, uh, but we do uh, also participate in the cruise terminal business. We have a number of bulk and break bulk cargos that use our facilities as well as the automobile trade. Uh, so in the container business, through uh, in March, we were down just 4.1%. And when you compare that to some other uh, large ports around the, the country, uh, that 4.1% pales in comparison uh, to some other ports. In April, uh, it was we were down 7.5%. And in May is really when we, we felt the largest uh, impact in the containers uh, so far and that was about 16.5%. And, and that's reflective of the transit time uh, that it takes to uh, get uh, from the Asian markets to the Port of New York and New Jersey, and also is reflective of what were uh, shutdowns in uh, countries uh, all over the world. Uh, we have had a series of blank sailings, essentially canceled voyages, uh, that is not new, unique to New York and New Jersey. Uh, ports all over the country uh, have been experiencing uh, blank sailings. Our blank sailings peaked in June uh, with 26, and we expect uh, now to see about 15 or so in July and, and, and them tapering off uh, in the fall. The cruise business, you know, hasn't fared, you know, as well. I think everybody knows and appreciates and understands uh, the sensitivity of the cruise business uh, in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, so, unfortunately, the cruise business has been hit and, and uh, brought to its knees uh, and stopped entirely. Bulks continue to run and, and autos continue to run, uh, albeit, again, at a slower pace because of some uh, manufacturing facilities uh, around the globe uh, being shut down for periods of time, but with the markets uh, here in the New York, New Jersey region and auto dealerships reopening and uh, before the reopening, actually selling cars more online and uh, virtual uh, test drives has uh, helped the auto market. And all, all in all, we are faring very well. That's great. Now, Beth, uh, you mentioned uh, that the port had uh, put protocols in place to uh, to make sure that you guys could uh, operate. Since uh, the New York, New Jersey area was the initial epicenter of the whole crisis, what were some of those measures that uh, you put into place to protect the health and safety of uh, port personnel? 
Yes. So the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey is a landlord, uh, so landlord port. So when it comes to our employees, as Bob mentioned early, uh, the Port Authority was was very quick uh, to put measures in place. Our management personnel have all been working remotely since uh, the second week in March. For those personnel that are on the front lines, the essential personnel uh, at our facilities that are keeping the lights on, uh, those individuals have been put into uh, smaller uh, work teams. They have staggered uh, arrival and departure for their shifts. They are, uh, we are doing uh, enhanced cleaning. Our personnel were wearing uh, face coverings uh, long before they were mandated. Uh, but really, the, the true folks that need to be recognized for keeping the port open uh, are the, the, the men and women on the front lines at the terminals, uh, the longshoremen, the longshore workers, the International Longshoremen's Association, uh, the terminal operating personnel, the truck drivers. And, and what our terminal operators you know, did was step out, again, very, very early uh, to put a series of programs and policies in place to manage health and safety as the top priority, to create a safe working environment, to reduce anxiety among the workforce so that folks actually felt comfortable uh, coming to work, knowing that they would be returning uh, home to their families and, and not bringing uh, the, the disease with them. Um, the New York Shipping Association and the ILA leadership has been extraordinary uh, in this measure. There was a, we had created with them a PPE, a personal protection equipment task force, if you will, and we were securing uh, face coverings from all over the world. And every one of the partners in the supply chain in New York and New Jersey was using their resources and relationships to do that so that we could ensure the men and women on the front lines uh, were protected. There's been enhanced cleaning and sanitizing of all work areas. Equipment operators, you know, usually there's multiple men and women uh, operating uh, a single piece of equipment, and, and that's all changed uh, by the terminal operators. The terminal operators were, were very innovative in changing any opportunity where a longshore worker and a truck driver would physically need to interface with each other. Uh, and now things are being done uh, more remotely and, and in advance, you know, electronically. So leave it to a, a crisis to allow for some really, you know, sharp innovations across the supply chain that I think are, are with us to stay. Yeah. Uh, speaking of being a landlord port authority, uh, what uh, has been your role, do you think, to help mitigate those negative impacts on port operations? And then uh, has there been uh, an effort to collaborate with other ports uh, or agencies to manage the crisis? Yeah. So I I've been saying, you know, throughout this crisis, uh, you know, that our role has been the three C's, uh, the letter C as opposed to the ocean C. Communication, collaboration, coordination. So our role has been as convener. Uh, our role has been 
to ensure uh, strong communications, again, up and down the supply chain, uh, public and private sector, uh, with, our, with our government partners, um, all of our customers, and I know Bob will speak more to that, uh, we have been fully transparent, as we always are, um, but during this time of uncertainty, uh, more enhanced communication and transparency has, has been very uh, important, and I think we've been leading the, the collaboration effort. In terms of uh, other forum and, and partnering with, with other ports or port authorities around the country, we are a member of the American Association of Port Authorities, and they have been convening port directors uh, across the country every two weeks now uh, since the crisis started. Without bragging, um, I'd like to say that <laughs> You know, we unfortunately have been through more than enough of our fair share of crises uh, here in the New York, New Jersey region. So in many cases, our response to COVID, uh, while a pandemic that we've never experienced before, leveraged the successes that we had achieved and the lessons learned from Hurricane Sandy and from power outages that covered the entire Northeast for days from 9-11. So in, in many cases, uh, some ports were, were struggling with certain issues uh, still weeks after you know, we had addressed them uh, here, here locally. And then I would, I would add that the Maritime Administrator, uh, Admiral Mark Busby, has been convening all sectors of the supply chain uh, on a regular basis. Uh, so there have been opportunities to exchange information uh, with supply chain and uh, maritime transportation system partners uh, from shipyards to ship operators, terminal operators and port authorities um, across the board. So uh, the ability to learn from each other uh, has been facilitated at least by these two organizations, and then I know, you know, through other organizations uh, in other aspects of the industry. Mm, okay, uh, Bob, uh, let me go to you for a second uh, regarding the communication. Uh, how have port staff been able to effectively stay engaged with with port users, customers, uh, stakeholders uh, during the whole crisis? And uh, uh, were there any new resources developed uh, as a result of those efforts? Uh, well, you know, as we've mentioned, you know, the, the Port Authority in, in itself was extremely emphatic, you know, right out of the gate to ensure that port, port staff's health and safety were, were paramount concern. Uh, that being said, um, you know, with, with the advanced technology that we all appreciate today, you know, staff, both on the, on the internal side as well as uh, you know, some of the frontline staff members, you know, we've been able to, uh, you know, develop new means and waves. And certainly we've had, we've had to be creative along this journey to, to be able to execute, you know, the objectives and the goals of, of the Port Authority's Port Department. So, I mean, we've created, you know, both remote and on-site, uh, operations, you know, enabling staff to work, you know, from the appropriate locations. Uh, 
my my staff in particular on the commercial side, what we have done simply as an example, you know, we have created what we are now calling virtual port briefings, where we uh, assemble uh, various port partners, everyone from our, mar- our marine terminal operators to the trucking community, uh, ILA labor, government agencies, our railroad partners. And so what we are doing, we are going to different regions of, of the country and providing updates with direct interface with uh, anyone and everyone who is interested to hear and learn about the effectiveness of, of the port as it continues to, to move through its, its efforts for fluidity of cargo. Quite frankly, they have been uh, quite successful. I, I think that our last event with the, the retail association had in excess of, of uh, over 100 participants. So people are, are looking for information to be able to um, ascertain how their cargo is going to be affected. And, uh, you know, as, as Beth has, has already mentioned, the fluidity of, of the Port of New York and New Jersey ha- has been stellar throughout this whole thing, and we expect that it to continue along that same pathway. Well, regarding that fluidity, what preparations did you make to accommodate fluctuations in that cargo volume to ensure fluidity uh, throughout the supply chain? and uh, prevent bottlenecks at the terminals. Let me. I'll start, Bob, um, and would ask you to to follow. But you know, one of one of the great successes that we have had in in COVID is that we have had the forum and processes in place in order to facilitate those discussions. So the Council on Port Performance was created about five years ago and was the first forum of its kind in the nation, perhaps in the world, where all sectors of the supply chain are working together to address problems and hopefully to uh, address them in advance of them uh, becoming an issue. So we had that structure in place and, and, and we literally just called everybody together in the first meeting, you know, within days of this becoming uh, a concern in our region. And the Council on Port Performance involves everybody from the ocean carriers, you know, shippers, uh, government agencies like Customs and Border Protection, warehouse providers, chassis providers, labor, uh, it runs the gamut. And, And they work together year round in order to address supply chain issues that don't just affect their sector of the supply chain, but those uh, effects that could be upstream or downstream and understanding what that means on their individual sector of the supply chain. So the preparations that we made were utilizing the forum and the framework that we have had in place and has been very, very successful for the past five years and um, leveraged or or replicated uh, by other ports around the country because the concept of having everybody in the supply chain uh, working together on a common goal has proven itself to be very, um, very successful. 
Bob, you want to expand on that? Yeah, I, I would simply add that, you know, as, as, as Beth has mentioned, you know, there were, you know, all of the key stakeholders in the port were, are involved with the uh, Council on Port Performance. And what I have found interesting as, as a participant of that group is, is the admiration and, and willingness for you know each of these stakeholders to check their egos at the door and and come in and take a wholehearted look at the problems the the issues the concerns of what we were looking to address and not be specific to their uh, organization or company so they, they were representing their their segment of the industry as a whole so you know those individuals really need to be complimented on that uh, on, that, on that approach. I would add one example uh, that I think is very telling of what we were able to do and prove to be uh, beneficial. But early on, we were concerned about cargo backing up in the terminals if the warehouses and distribution centers weren't able to deliver uh, to retail stores, for example that they weren't going to be able to receive the containers from the terminals. They'd be backing up on the terminals and, you know, we would have systemic congestion. So in order to mitigate the potential of that happening, we immediately, the Council on Port Performance, immediately jumped on reaching out to all of the warehouse and DC operators within the region to understand how much space they had available, you know, could they handle their own cargo? Did they have excess space available to handle uh, someone else's cargo on a temporary basis? Uh, was that floor loads or racks? Uh, was there reefer capacity, open container storage capacity? And we wound up with over 75 uh, individual warehouses and distribution centers that had space available to handle the backlog that a particular customer or brand uh, might have because the retail stores uh, were closed and, and not receiving. And it has been uh, the focal point of, of marriages, you know, between those who have and those who need. And that's just one example of something that was put in place and has been effective in in contributing to not having cargo back up in the terminal. Mm, okay. I want to touch on another aspect of the uh, the operations here. Now, I think you mentioned that the overall volume was down for the port, and yet your rail numbers have increased. Uh, can you explain why that is and uh, what the port's doing to make the most of that trend? Uh, yeah, well, I, 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 can, I can address that. I, I, you know, the port of New York and New Jersey, you know, we're in a unique geographical location in that, Seventy percent of our vessel calls are referred to as first ports of call, which lends beautifully and 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 efficiently with our express rail system, which is a six hundred million dollar uh, investment by the Port Authority that has created a network of, of four facilities in, in and around the, the, the port area. These facilities, that percentage of, of first uh, call vessels complements uh, 
their their fastest transit times connecting to the United States East Coast. We today serve out of the port of New York and New Jersey via this express rail system in, in excess of 50 or, origins and destinations. And again, this matches up beautifully with the ocean carriers transit times uh, trying to reach those those inland ports. And so today, you know, I, I think as many of your listeners will will already know, the Chicago region, the Ohio Valley, New England, Eastern Canada, and, and what I find interesting in the dialogue with uh, our two class one railroads uh, being uh, uh, CSX and, and the NS, they continue to be pushed with our cargo reach going further, further west to you know to reach to reach the customers' demands. So. Uh, I think we're strategically placed well. We have an efficient operation, and with a capacity of, of, an, of a million five units on an annualized basis, um, we are we are aggressively looking for more cargo for uh, our, our rail program. What about the diversification of origins and manufacturing? Uh, do you think the COVID nineteen crisis is going to increase that diversification away from China, for example? Uh, and what what would be the impact of uh, increased multi-sourcing uh, manufacturing for the for the port? Uh, really, really good question. Although we're not seeing COVID nineteen being, you know, one of the you know more more recent drivers here, uh, you know, because we have seen you know, prior to COVID nineteen um, some migration uh, away from China. To you know, Southeast and Western Asian countries, you know, it, it, this benefits manufacturing, uh, the, the the development of new routings for the ocean carriers. You know, uh, you know, as an example, you know, pr- production shifting uh, coming after you know some of the of the tariff uh, provisions. Uh, you know, or earlier on, ha- have created some of this earlier shift. I think that the COVID nineteen is just another contributing factor that has ex- accelerated some of this uh, migration, which again, you know, lends favorably towards the port of New York and New Jersey. And statistically, we are we are seeing uh, a, a growth in the ocean carriers transit through the Suez as opposed to to the Panama Canal. And again, that is simply just a, a shifting of, of global production to Southeast and the Western Asian countries. So, um, you know, we see this a, as a positive step and, and look forward to, you know, gaining more volumes with this routing. Now, if we bring it closer to home, what role does the port then have in supporting the local uh, regional and national recoveries from the crisis, and uh, do you have any reference to draw upon for for guidance? Yeah, so you know, for nearly a hundred years, the Port Authority has been focused on regional and economic development, and it doesn't change uh, in the middle of a crisis. So, um, you know, the port in and of itself supports over four hundred thousand jobs, uh, direct and indirect. Uh, $100 billion in economic activity 
including uh, federal and state uh, tax revenue, business income, personal income. So in, in many cases, in all cases, you know, the, the port is a vital part of economic stability for the region and the nation. So keeping the port open, uh, continuing to receive and uh, ensure that the cargo, you know, gets where it needs to be in a, in a timely manner. You know, the, the port, although we were, you know, in the, the middle of uh, the hot zone, if you will, for, for COVID initially, uh, the port was very crucial to moving uh, medical supplies, to providing uh, foodstuffs, to ensuring that disinfectants uh, got where they, they needed to go. So, you know, our role in the crisis is uh, in, in many ways uh, the role that we play every single day and have continued to do that for uh, nearly, nearly 100 years. And, and I would also say that, you know, the, the points that I made earlier about learning from uh, things like uh, the 9-11 and, and the Great, Great Recession uh, are all helpful to us in our supporting role. Uh, the, the movement of cargo is often a leading indicator in uh, general economic uh, conditions. So, you know, what we are seeing happening in the ports and when we look at uh, recovery to our, our 2019 uh, cargo volume levels, uh, in many cases uh, will be indicative of the overall uh, wellness of, of the economy for the region uh, and the nation. So, you know, we, we continue to do what we do every day uh, to support economic recovery. Yeah. Now, regarding those those levels of cargo volumes, do you foresee them returning to normal levels anytime soon, or is it going to be a, a consistent decline and regrowth cycle for uh, for the time being? Well, well, that, that that's really an interesting question. And if I had the right answer, I think I'd be working <laughs> on Wall Street making a million dollars a year. But that's that's not particularly that's not particularly the case here. It, it's really difficult at this stage of the game to, to predict. Um, I, I would say, however, that you know there are some very positive indicators uh, to expect that the volumes will begin to start regaining their strength. Beth had already mentioned uh, you know the, 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 uh, the blank the blank sailings. Um, you know, we we are noticing and, and, and find uh, factual support that there are countries right now, corp global corporations that are finding new ways and means of, of opening up their operations. So you know this this will be important for us to continue to monitor as we as we continue to evaluate support and continue to to work with you know the, the major BCOs throughout the country as their inventories work away from being at their stressed levels you know i i would i would say that you know part of part of the assignment within my staff is that we monitor almost on a daily basis what Beth referred to earlier as these as these blank sailings and what they are 
They are they, they are vessel calls already scheduled in the port of New York and New Jersey that are outright canceled. So that being said, uh, and again, as Beth had mentioned earlier, the tr- the trend is is moving the needle in in a favorable direction. So while I don't have a real specific answer for you, we, we are seeing noticeable, favorable trends to see volumes slowly coming coming back. Mm. Favorable is good. <laughs> now, uh, if, if this was at all possible, uh, what advice would you give yourselves six months ago, uh, knowing what you know now? All right, well, uh, I'll, I'll try to answer that, but I, I'm... <laughs> You know, I'll defer to I'll defer to Beth, but oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that we have learned: there's no playbook for going into COVID nineteen. Sure. And as Beth had had mentioned earlier, you know, there were some very key lessons that the agency's management, you know, had had taken away from nine eleven and superstorm superstorm Sandy. In my, and in my mind, what was what most clearly defined and, and evident is that the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, at, at our corporate level, as well as the senior leadership within in the Port Department, you know, we are the leadership. We are the stewards of of the port operation, and we knew that we needed to take on that leadership that leadership role. And, and assemble the right players uh, to help us get through this this issue. You know, because there is is no playbook, it was it was easy for us to to chart the course. Again, as Beth had mentioned earlier, the assemblance of the the the, the members of the Council on Poor Performance. I mean, you have the right players in the room at a very senior level. Uh, within the Port Authority, the New York Shipping Association, the ILA, the ocean carriers, our marine terminal operators, the government agencies, key BCOs, the chassis providers, and the and the list goes on and on and on. Um, you know, and 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 also, you know, each and all of the U.S. government agencies were part of that ongoing dialogue to to determine what our best pathway was was to do this so you know in short you know we believe that the that the port of new york and new jersey community as a whole house some of the very best industry professionals that are out there today so that being said you know i would simply add a personal note here that i am grateful for the collaboration and the and the contributing team effort that you know e- each of the people that sit around these tables are bringing forward to uh, help us get through this. And no- knowing the Port of New York and New Jersey, we will get through this. So I'll, I'll, I'll turn this back over to Beth. So thinking about this, uh, you know, question in terms of the what advice that I would that I would give anybody, you know, I echo, I echo everything that Bob, you know, has said. But, you know, from a from a from a practical, you know, standpoint, 
I would say to everybody who thought the idea of working from home was better than you know going to an office uh, and commuting um, is kidding themselves. <laughs> I I think um, you know I I think as people we need that connection and that camaraderie that we get in the office. Um, while our virtual forums have been extremely successful, thanks to Bob's leadership and, and his team, and we've reached far more customers than we do uh, in person, uh, there's something to be said for those in-person uh, meetings and gatherings, and there's something to be said for the water cooler uh, talk. Um, so, so I, I think that would be, you know, one, uh, you know, piece of advice. You know, the the one thing that I certainly would have liked to know about, you know, in advance of of COVID is is managing a a, a remote workforce, and you know, how do you how do you keep your staff uh, motivated and and focused on you know the the goals and the and the objectives, um, you know. So at the end of the day, we have all, as Bob said, as the Port of New York and New Jersey, um, been very successful in continuing to provide for efficiency and fluidity and reliability uh, to our customers during a very uncertain time. And it has been and will continue to be a truly collaborative effort. Um, and you know, we, the Port Authority, just appreciate the opportunity uh, to be a part of what is uh, such an important uh, part of our nation's economic engine. Yeah, and hopefully we're on the other side of this sooner rather than later, right? But uh, in the meantime, where can the audience go to find out more information about the port and uh, more of your efforts going forward? Great. So absolutely. Uh, anyone looking for additional information on the Port of New York and New Jersey and the services and opportunities and why uh, shipping your cargo uh, through our gateway uh, is uh, an important part of your supply chain and logistics decisions. Uh, can find that information on our website at www.portnynj.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at portnynj. Excellent. And those links will be in the show notes as well. Uh, Bob Lamour, Beth Rooney, thank you so much for joining us. Stay safe out there and best of luck with the, the Port Authority. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks again for this opportunity. Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash get il. That's bit.ly slash get underscore IL and stay ahead of the 3PL game. The Inbound Logistics Podcast is a production of Inbound Logistics Magazine. For the most in-depth information around logistics, transportation and supply chain practices, 
Get your free print and digital subscription at inboundlogistics.com slash subscribe. Connect with us via LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for the most current developments in the industry. If you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode, call our dialogue line at 888-878-3247 or leave us an email at podcast at inboundlogistics.com. I'm your host, Jeff Vita. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time here on the Inbound Logistics Podcast.